0: This is an ABC podcast. When was the last time that you called up your mate and said, hey, listen, I want to talk about my vaginal discharge? So sit yourself down, brew yourself a strong cuppa. No, we don't do that. For something that is as reliable as death and taxes, a chat about the sticky stuff in your knickers just doesn't really happen. And that's why we've plunged ourselves into the moist depths of the ladies' archives to retrieve this golden drip of enlightenment about the gooey stuff that makes our undies crusty. Enjoy.
1: (laughs) Okay, um, so my husband and I were talking about masturbation. I'm laughing already. Okay, sorry. My husband and I were talking about masturbation. And during it, he accused me of being a chronic masturbator. And I'm like, what? Where did you get this idea from? Like, are you spying on me? Uh, (laughs) So I asked him where he got this idea into his head. And he immediately just threw his arm across the room, pointed at the dirty washing basket and was like, go and look at the crutch of your underwear. Go and look at the crutches of all of your underwear. They're all just like smattered in what he quoted as lady jizz. (laughs) I go, ah,
0: that's not lady jizz. That's just vaginal discharge. Let's face it, a lot of people think discharge is icky. It doesn't always smell nice and it is secreted from your vagina. But you know the policy. The more uncomfortable it is, the more we need to talk about it. Women spend lots of money trying to deal with discharge. Pharmacy shelves are stocked with intimate washes, feminine wipes, and it's estimated that between 20 to 30% of women throughout much of the Western world use panty liners every single day. That is a big mental load in your underpants. I'm Yumi Steins. Ladies, we need to talk about vaginal discharge. Absolutely nothing. This is Shannon, and as you might have gathered, her husband had a huge gap in his knowledge about how vaginas work. And she kind of did too. She says vaginal discharge didn't come up in her sex ed classes ever. And when she was growing up, no one was talking about it. I always kind of grew up,
1: I thought like I just had thrush. I just figured it was that. No one ever told me that like vaginal discharge was just a normal, everyday thing that women have. I did actually, once I got out of high school when I was 18, I did actually get thrush. That was a real funny experience because I'm like, holy shit, like this is actually what it is. What I've experienced for all of my childhood, I guess that's normal.
0: <laughs> so, so up until then, you thought you'd had thrush that entire time until you really got thrush. Yeah. <laughs> I never I never talked to anyone because no one talks about these things. Agreed, I know because before this episode, I reckon I'd had a total of 10 minutes of discharge chat my entire life. It's a shame because discharge is fascinating. Doctors reckon we secrete almost one teaspoon of the stuff every day. And it can be pretty fluid. Get it? It fluctuates throughout the month, depending on where you're at in your cycle. But how much do any of us know about discharge? Because it's true, we rarely do discuss it.
1: Actually, I just met up with a friend yesterday. I told her about this story and she Mm. goes, oh, like the stuff in your undies? And I'm like, yeah. Have you ever talked about that to anyone before? She goes, no. Like I've never even consciously thought about it. And I said, there's a name for it.
0: Vaginal discharge. <laughs> That's so funny. My best friend calls it goo. Goo, yeah, yeah goo. appropriate. Discharge is a basic bodily function that not only cleans the vagina, it provides you with lubrication and it actually helps to protect you from STIs. Dr. Deborah Bateson is a clinical associate professor at the University of Sydney, and she's medical director of Family Planning New South Wales. She's spent a big part of her professional life fielding questions about discharge.
2: So vaginal discharge is is a mixture. It's it's uh, fluid uh, from the vaginal walls, and and that's in combination with mucus from the cervix. So as well as as healthy bacteria. So they're called lactobacilli, and they produce something called lactic acid. So the vagina is actually, that discharge is slightly, the environment's slightly acidic. It's a healthy ecosystem, a healthy microbiome, as we call it. But that's what the discharge is made up of. And, and normal amount of vaginal discharge that's produced every 24 hours is somewhere between one and four millilitres. So that's a little less, at the top end, that's a little less than a, a teaspoon. You know, we're not obviously not seeing that, that all at once. But mm. of course, some of that discharge is going to appear on our underwear As a normal part of life.
0: Did you hear that? Discharge is a normal part of life. Okay, got it? Good to know. Okay, good. So, Deborah says that you start getting discharge around puberty, and it happens because we start getting more estrogen, which causes more bacteria to colonise your vagina. Just what we need more colonisation.
2: I see many women in my in my clinical life, uh, you know, who are so anxious about this, they, they haven't really got any benchmarks to work out what's normal and what's not. But it's very normal to have this vaginal discharge. It keeps, you know, it allows us to have comfortable sex, for instance. It allows us to walk around comfortably, actually. Well, we know after menopause, then that amount of, of lubrication... Decreases and that can be incredibly painful for women. They can walk around feeling very uncomfortable uh, because of that sort of lack of lubrication. And is that right? Sometimes. Yes, yes. So we... I
0: never knew that. That's really interesting. <laughs> so just for generally walking around, oh, you need sometimes a little bit of... just
2: for walking. Not, I mean, not everyone. There's gradations of everything. Yeah. But sometimes we have, you know, women after menopause, and and you know, I see some women sometimes who have early menopause for a variety of reasons, and they can have very, very difficult times with what we sometimes call vaginal atrophy. I Hate that word, but mm-hmm. it is vaginal dryness, really, and so we need to, you know, give good advice around lubrications, to additional lubrications. But you know, we know that for for young women, the body is doing its bit, and and you know, it's a very um sad thing sometimes in a way where the body's doing its natural thing, and all is good, all is healthy. But women
0: can feel very anxious about that for a variety of reasons. I've noticed the discharge changes during the menstrual cycle. Can you explain what goes on with it?
2: Yeah, so the discharge does change because of the influence of hormones. It start, the vaginal discharge starts off as dry and sticky. And then as we approach ovulation, so there's an increase in estrogen and the discharge changes consistency. It becomes a little bit like an egg white as we always describe it. It's, it becomes stretchy and slippery. Uh, and then After the egg's been released, we pass the fertile phase, then again you get a decrease in the oestrogen, increase in progesterone and and the mucus changes again and becomes thick and sticky. So again, what that's doing is actually optimising the ability for sperm to actually swim through the mucus at
0: at the fertile time. That's really interesting. I've never thought about it or heard it described in that way so the sperm can swim through it. That's right. Wow. (laughs) The body's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing. That's cool. Okay, so that's that's why it changes around ovulation time. Of course, that totally makes sense. Tell me about chronic thrush and recurring bacterial vaginosis. Yeah. Both of those can cause a lot of discharge. What's going on that, that that happens?
2: A lot of women have have come across thrush in their lifetime, but we know that sometimes it can be hard to work out, you know, is this normal or not? Uh, how it presents, it's like a sort of cottage cheesy type of, of discharge, and it's usually associated with an itch and, and what we call inflammation, so there can be redness and real soreness sometimes on intercourse, but sometimes just daily life. And it's caused by an overgrowth. We've all got a little bit, there's usually a little bit of yeast hanging around, but it's caused by that overgrowth of the yeast. And it's often caused actually by, you know, wearing hot, sweaty clothing. We know that wearing tight gym clothing, for instance, can create a hot, moist environment. So there's not enough air circulating, not enough breathing. I often tell the young uh, young women that I see, I'll say, who sometimes will have recurrent, recurrent thrush, and I'll say, tell me a couple of things are you wearing underwear at night and they'll say of course I'm wearing underwear at night don't we all and I'll say really that is not a good idea because you're just not allowing that whole area to breathe and air to circulate and keep things light and area and decrease the risk of thrush Uh, and I'll also ask are you wearing panty liners and we know that many women wear panty liners some every day and again that can actually create a perfect environment for thrush to thrive in. Why is that? keeping things dark and hot and and overly moist can mean that thrush will grow if you're in those sorts of environments. So
0: panty liners are those very thin pads that you wear on the inside of your knickers. They are. Yeah. They and are. They, are, they
2: actually help create thrush if you They knicker. can. They can. So there's really what we really, what we, I really campaign against is actually against this daily wearing of panty liners. It's often a vicious cycle because women will actually notice they've got a discharge. They'll feel very anxious about it, very, you know, worried about it. About it, and then they'll start to use panty liners, and sometimes that'll creep to, up to wearing them every day, right. and that can actually have the the you know paradoxical effect of actually increasing the chance of thrush and also of bacterial vaginosis as well.
0: So, what's the difference between bacterial vaginosis? Yeah, so thush?
2: they're very distinct. So, bacterial vaginosis it, it looks a bit different. It's a sort of tends to be a sort of slightly greyish, greenish, more frothy um, sort of discharge, and it just generally doesn't cause an itch. And sometimes we do say. Look, it is a little bit like a sort of fishy type of odour and I certainly see women who sometimes can even be you know housebound they can have great anxiety going on public transport often it's been just from a throwaway line from a a sexual partner for instance who said oh what's that what's that odour and it's been incredibly challenging and often it's taken years for them to actually come up and come and see me
0: wow, that's so full on about people getting housebound by their own fear of their own bodies or their reluctance to inflict their smell on someone else. It's a shocking thing, isn't mm. it? And
2: it really is, you know, fed by, well, what I'll call inverted commas, the feminine hygiene industry. There should be no such thing as an industry associated with feminine hygiene, but it's, you know, they uh, for profit really are shifting the norms about, you know, what what's normal, whereas, and so in fact, you know, many women will feel very anxious about something that's very normal and feel that, you know, that, that in fact, you know, we should all be smelling of rose petals or, or something, you know, some vanilla pods or something.
3: Some of the different smells, I guess, there's that classic fishy smell. I guess before your period, you get that sort of irony, bloody sort of smell coming through. It sort of smells like that. Sometimes it didn't smell like anything.
0: This is Amy. She's in her 30s and she's been anxious about her discharge since she hit puberty. But she's never felt able to talk about it, not even to her doctor.
3: So I was self-conscious about the discharge for all sorts of reasons. Obviously, smells, consistency, there were changes. So one minute it'd be watery, the next minute it's thick, gluggy stuff, mucusy stuff, I guess. And you never know what's normal. And, you know, you could go to the doctor, I guess, and ask, but... If one day you've got nothing and the next day you've got something else, you don't, you can't really go to the doctor and say, oh, on this day it was this and this day it was that. Going through puberty, some days I'd have like very soggy undies during a time that I wasn't on my period and thinking, oh, what's wrong with me? What, what's going on with this? Is this normal? That sort of thing. Or you get like a mucousy sort of discharge and thinking like, why is there snot in my undies? And being very self-conscious about that, I think that's when it all started. When I started to get sexually active, of course, you're starting to show those parts of your body to somebody else who also probably doesn't have a great understanding of what's normal.
0: Like many women, when Amy started having oral sex, it made her feel even more self-conscious about her discharge.
3: You didn't know what was discharge or normal discharge and what was saliva. So i ended up in a soggy puddle on the bed and instead of enjoying what he was doing to me... I would be worried about is whatever's coming out of me normal, thinking that the saliva was what's coming out of me, when really it was probably just a mix. So I was was not able to enjoy him going down on me and I'm still not able to enjoy him going down on me because I just don't know what he's going to find down there. I don't know if it's pleasant, unpleasant, normal, not normal. It still brings me a lot of anxiety. I would love to be without sort of hang up I guess so I could enjoy someone going down there or even sometimes getting undressed and having them see me in my underwear like I'm definitely a sex in the dark sort of person because I don't want them to see my underwear which is could have anything in there you know we're getting it on and we're getting in the mood and we'll be in bed and then I think oh my god do I have vagina vagina snot in my underwear
0: that is not sexy (laughs) And alongside navigating all this anxiety, Amy also noticed a change in the way her underwear looked.
3: So just after I had my daughter, which was three years ago now, even during the pregnancy, I discovered a whole new thing that freaked me right out, and that was that my discharge was bleaching my underwear. At first I thought maybe, you know, um, I was maybe bleeding a little bit and even after I watched them I had this orange bleach same like when you brush up against some bleach in the shower with your black clothes this was happening to my underwear and that brought back all the self-consciousness all the anxiety I'd had I didn't ask my doctor about it because I thought they'd think I was nuts I asked my mum about it and she thought I was nuts so it got to the point where again I was hiding my underwear from my partner, having sex in the dark just in case. Um, and this went on for years until I think it was
0: earlier. This we year. put this question about whether discharge can actually bleach your underwear to Dr. Deborah Bateson.
3: I mean, I'm aware of it.
0: Obviously, her, her best explanation is pretty pretty that it's a mix of slightly acidic discharge, discharge and sweat. That's the most likely effect. So it's that combination and, and
2: you know, the, that pH, as we call it, the acidity of the discharge will, will vary. So uh, And sometimes the discharge becomes alkaline and that's when it's a bit abnormal. But these
0: all of these things can have an effect. Well, there you go. You learn something new every single time you bail up a vaginal discharge guru.
4: I first noticed it about 10 years ago.
0: Amy wasn't the only one with peroxide pants. This is Wendy. She's 46 and her discharge was never a big deal until she got older.
4: I didn't think much of it at first, but then um, after a long time, it's still there. and hasn't changed. I used to always buy dark coloured undies, but I found that they bleached the worst. So now I usually buy skin-coloured undies, they're much more versatile and you don't notice the bleaching as much. It just continued. So I was probably more worried about the smell
0: than the, the bleaching. Wendy was also too embarrassed to speak to her doctor about it.
4: I never told my GP but I did mention it to a friend once, a close girlfriend, and she just stared back at me in shock with no words, and that's when I thought, oh, maybe this isn't a shared experience, so I've never really brought it up again.
0: Deborah says she sees plenty of women who are ashamed of their discharge. A lot of my job actually is,
2: is you know, talking to women, examining women, just helping them work out what's normal for them. And it's normal to have a bit of an odour associated with that. So it's getting to know your body. You can come along and talk to someone, but it is and, and see someone and, and just to check in because we don't talk about it enough at school and, and we don't share experiences, so it can be very challenging. But basically, normal healthy discharge, it's so a it's a slightly yellowish colour. The odour is just a you know a gentle vaginal odour, but that can vary between women as well. The difference is often to do with the, the sweat-bearing glands on the vulva, in fact in the hair bearing areas of the genitals so and that that can sometimes be associated with an increased odour so it's important to keep the outside skin clean but it's just a yellowish discharge and it's going to change during the month but if you do notice an increase in that odour an increase in the amount so it's noticing any changes and sometimes itch as well then
0: do go along and see your doctor. When we told our listeners that we were going to do an episode about discharge and put a call out, do you want to ask questions, and the feedback we got was pretty overwhelming, that women are embarrassed about the way their vaginas smell and they're super hung up about it. Uh, I think there's this view, as you say, that we should smell great all the time and not have any kind of animal odour about us at all. Is there a line that you can cross where you're like, okay, if you go any... Further beyond this line of douching and washing and soaping and perfuming, you're going to make yourself sick.
2: Yes. Well, look, we would say no to any douching. <laughs> I have to say. So, you know, luckily in Australia we're not big douches. <laughs> so they're certainly in the states uh, and many other countries, and that means spraying. It's usually a mixture of of vinegar and, and water with a spray into the into the vagina. Actually, in there, not actually just... in there. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so, luckily, most of us <laughs> don't do that, but some some people do, and we know that that is that does disrupt the vaginal microbiome, that, that ecosystem, and it can lead, actually, even to, to more serious infections up in the uterus as well. So we really don't need to do that. But look, anything that we put in the vagina, and some of those things, you know, we want to be in there, of course, so, you know, but even things like menstrual blood will change, have a temporary effect on the vaginal microbiome, having intercourse. But of you know, it's when those that gets disrupted and that's those you know, those scented things, so the feminine deodorizers, you know. Really no one should be needing to use a feminine deodorizer and as I say, it can build up a vicious cycle where in fact it can have Paradoxically, the opposite effect, and actually create troublesome discharge, and sometimes potentially also decrease
0: the body's resistance to to sexually transmitted infections, for instance. So we're both fully clothed. Would you ever be able to smell something coming from a woman sitting as close as I not am? Not, not a no. I mean, I, and I think, obviously, if if someone does
2: have uh, a condition such as you know severe bacterial vaginosis and look I mean I'm a trained <laughs> I'm a trained doctor it's my it's my work but no I mean you know women I talk to women about you know their, their anxieties about sitting on the bus and and often it, we know. I, I'm sitting next to them. They're explaining. They're describing. You know the the smell. And I always say to them, "Look, come in when you've got it. Come in when you've got it." And they'll come in. And of course, there's nothing for me to to notice. That's is that Any right? different in you know in all overwhelming majority of cases. And we know that it's just about women. You know, their body is controlling them. They need to take back control of their body and and, and feel empowered. And often it is just a matter of coming, having that discussion.
0: I feel like now this is a question I should be asking my mum when I was five. um, How do you clean your vagina? Because I use soap and I have for years. Is that okay? So it's a really common question. Uh, What I need to say, we need to think about our
2: vagina and then we need to think about our vulva. So it's really important to clean the vulva. That's the outside bit. And using soap, but generally using unperfumed soap that's not going to cause irritation is important. But we don't need to be putting any soap inside the vagina. We need to steer clear of that, nothing inside, because the vagina actually cleans itself.
0: See how smart it is? So, ladies, do your vagina a favour. Don't wear underwear to bed. Aim to buy cotton undies or, at the very least, make sure they have a cotton gusset. If you're into washing down there, you can use soap around the vulva, but you don't actually need to clean inside with anything. Your vagina doesn't need a steam clean. Intimate wipes and washes are a waste of money. And think carefully about what you put in your vagina, which, let's be honest, is pretty good life advice anyway. This podcast was produced on the lands of the Gundungarra, Bidjigal and Gadigal peoples. This episode of Ladies We Need To Talk was produced by Cassandra Steeth and Tamar Kranswick. Supervising producers were Madeleine Jenner and Alex Lollback and executive producers were Justine Kelly and Kyla Slavin. This series was created by Claudine Ryan.